Hi, Craig. Hey, Craig. Craig. Hello, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Paddock Girls. Today, we have a new member on the team. So we're going to go ahead and introduce her first. Welcome to Amy. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I am a Red Bull fan, particularly Daniel Ricardo. But you'll also always catch me rooting for Lance Stroll. And he's another one who had an interesting weekend. So as you guys know, we're going to be covering the Baku episode today. There was a lot that happened before the real race. So I think we're going to start off with that. And honestly, we're going to start off with the sprint because what was that? Just what was that? I don't know about you guys, but I really don't know how I feel about new format. I like the shootout more than the actual sprint race. I don't know if it was just because it was just like one and done. And then we were like, okay, it's over. And then I just like, enjoyed the fact that like Q3 was like longer and then the, the time decreased as it went on. It was more entertaining to me personally, but the sprint race itself, I don't really care for. It would have been cool if they like do, I think it's like with F2, F3, correct me if I'm wrong, where they do like a reverse grid and then, you know, it goes on like the race and everything. So kind of just switch it up. It could be cool if they would do that, but see how they continue on. I mean, honestly, I keep comparing it to Brazil last year because that was the last sprint we had. And to me, like sprint race and regular race, the same people win. And to me, why have a second race at that point? Like, yes, we get more points. Like, for example, Charles got seven points in the sprint race. And that was more than the amount of points that he had before the sprint which was great, but at the same time, it's boring. To piggyback on what Ido said um, with the whole, it's the same order and everything like Alex Albon had mentioned after the sprint race itself is kind of pointless for the other drivers on the grid and the other teams in general on the grid, they're not the top four because we're just gonna get the same results at the race in general. And in a way it's like the FIA, we're trying to sneak in two races into one weekend and then introduce this format the week of which can make some of the attendees feel some type of way because they're expecting the full weekend of full pra- like practices and everything, and then they're just kind of getting the stuff cut out short. So, Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't like the format. It didn't make sense to me to have one practice race, knowing so many of these teams were going in with upgrades that they really hadn't had a chance to test yet. And then them trying to do all this testing and get a race in and get a lap in during practice, it just seemed a little bit too much. Like, I don't think that was enough time. And I know some of the racers have said in the past, like, oh, I just need one practice race. A couple of those racers that said that definitely needed more than one practice race just because of the upgrades on their car. So I think the sprint race maybe should have been left to maybe Miami if they really wanted to do it, just because doing it right after break and especially on the Baku circuit, that one didn't make too much sense to me, especially with all the last-minute planning. Yeah, I also feel like having the sprint determine the grid for the race makes it a little more exciting in addition to having qualifying and all of that. Because qualifying is good, it's kind of exciting, but like making the sprint determine the grid for Sunday for the race 
in my opinion, is just more interesting. And I feel like they go a little bit harder on it than they did this time. Because this time it was just for points. And it's just kind of like, when you're in the top, you don't really have to try as hard. And unless you want to stay in the front of the grid. Or unless you're Charles, that was desperate for points. So the sprint race, I mean, it was interesting. It was fun. I don't still don't know if it was the right decision for Baku, but I know that they have more races coming up throughout the season where they're going to have to do this sprint race. So I want to see how that goes out. Maybe they can change up the formation like Mel was saying. I think that would be a lot more interesting to watch. And also it would give a better chance to those people in the back of the field that, I mean, they kind of just do these sprint races because they have to, not because they're going to get much out of it. But the sprint races were only a small part of the weekend. We did have the qualifying going on as well. And and Baku circuit, not to laugh, but that is just a very, um, people crash there very easily. And I think it's so interesting that this circuit has been around for so long because it's just not a safe circuit, but it's also one of the craziest ones to watch. So it's like, as viewers, we want to see it, but we're also like, please don't hit the wall. Be careful. Turn 15, bro. Don't do it. And that's everyone watching the races every single time. Yeah, Baku has always been one of my favorite circuits to watch. And you can always count, especially on qualifying, on just a little bit of chaos. It's just whether it's someone hitting a wall or a, a rogue cat on the track, the, the opportunities are just endless. And I am so happy that they have extended their contract, that we get a little bit more Baku in our life, because I think it's always fun. I know people think it's a little unsafe, but it always gives something throughout the weekend. Yeah, no, the qualifying was way too much for me. There was fires, there was crashes, there was more than I expected for uh, my weekend considering the race as I saw was not that exciting. I feel like the qualifying really was where all the excitement was. And I'm just going to start off by saying, Pierre, what happened? Baby, baby, you were really on fire this weekend. Like literally. And I just, if anyone can explain why Pierre caught on fire, that would be awesome. I don't know why he caught on fire, but he did. He really did not have, he was not having a great weekend. I don't know if it's because Mercury's been in retrograde, but poor baby was not having a good time. Netflix was recording in their garage for their series, Drive to Survive. And we all know, we've heard the rumors of a curse going around whenever they're recording. They don't do that great that weekend. So maybe it could be that. Or like Rachel said, Green Retrograde, we just want to know what happened. But at the same time, he qualified 19th for the race and was able to go up to 14th. So he approved a few places. We didn't think that was going to happen when we watched qualifying. I will say the engineering team is crazy in the fact that they were able to fix it, get him back onto the next race that was happening. I mean, I know the car didn't last again the whole race, but they were again able to fix it for, they just, they kept fixing it. And all I could think was watching this was one, that's a lot of money. Two, wow, you guys really are just, I mean, you I didn't expect him to fix the fire that I saw. So to know that he was back on the track the next race, I was like, okay, that engineering team is just, they really are miraculous. Yeah, I think we have to give some massive kudos to the pit crews for Alpine and even for AlphaTauri. I know I saw some duct tape in the AlphaTauri garage. 
I love when I see mechanics pull out duct tape because you know it's going to work somehow. I have to give them all massive kudos for the miracles they managed to pull off during qualifying. I mean, hey, if you're from the South, you know that duct tape can fix just about anything. And whatever duct tape can't fix, super glue can. I mean, also, I was surprised and I read some articles as well that were questioning whether Max, with the huge hole in his side pod, was able to race in the actual race. And I was like, damn, they fixed that quick. They also fixed uh, Sargent's car pretty quick because he had a pretty bad crash during the sprint shootout. And so they were able to turn that around like in no time at all. I will say Max needs a little help on the PR side with his anger. But I had a great laugh. I'm not going to lie to y'all because I love Georgie so much. I started laughing when, excuse my language, listeners, Max was here like, that's a dickhead. I was like, you can't say that. I mean, you can. Don't say it to the camera. And I just, I laugh because you know Georgie would never. That man is screaming sugar when bad things happen. And also, I mean, the whole Princess Georgie thing. Oh my God. So good. I mean, I, I honestly, I hope because the nickname's so good, I hope it sticks. I know for sure that I will start referring to George Russell as Princess Georgie. I really hope that the Mercedes admin takes that and just absolutely runs with it because I feel like it would be hilarious. I mean, we saw how they reacted and what they did with the a whole meme from George's intro in the F1 pre-race intro where it's all the drivers. That was just incredible. I mean, honestly, admins have just been unhinged, and I'm here for it. Are we seeing Gen Z take over social media? Is that what's happening? I mean, I think the Aston Martin admin has officially made me fall in love with Fernando Alonso. And I really don't know how to feel about it, guys. You guys know me. I am not a Nando fan. I am slowly becoming a Fernando fan, and it kills me a little bit inside. Honestly, don't let it kill you. The marketing that the F1 like circuit is doing just in the past two years, one, they're trying to keep up with the popularity. I get it. Formula One has become like this really huge fan base. And now they're trying to get into the American fan base, really. They're trying to get in touch with us. They're trying to give us these races. They're thinking of adding another American race by, like I think, 2026. And I think if I'm not wrong, that one's going to be in New York. I would have to read up on it. But they are trying to really get it there. They also want to make one on the West Coast because right now the closest one to the West Coast is Vegas. So I think they were looking at California. And they're not slowing down. Like the F1 world, their marketing is just going to keep getting better. It's going to keep getting bigger. The teams right now that don't have the marketing like Aston Martin, they're going to get the marketing. They just probably don't have the funds for it yet or the right person. Because Aston Martin is a great example that they just lucked out with whoever is on their TikTok and Instagram team. Because that person's editing skills is what's making people fall in love with them. Really not, because the boys don't talk in these videos. They don't. These videos are music videos with some cute little editing that you just find very badass and they're like, oh, I love him. And if you're falling in love with the characters that they're kind of portraying in these marketing videos, it's because the marketing person knows exactly what to ask them to get the response they know fans will love. 
Yeah, and they're really like running with things like the Fernando Alonso Taylor Swift rumors that are completely random and out of the blue. The Aston Martin PR team took that and they are absolutely running with it. And it is the best thing I've seen in a while as a Swifty and an F1 fan. I am enjoying all of the references. I'm enjoying all of the little subtle hints. It's incredible. No, honestly, the Taylor Swift jokes. And we might as well jump into the race here. The Taylor Swift jokes that they are giving Alonso during this race. He's thought about it. He's written these down and he is finding the perfect moment to be like, wait, that's a Taylor Swift lyric I can put in there. I can. Oh, yeah. Crofty is absolutely a Swifty. I mean, one of the things that he said uh, in his commentary from the race today was teammate or is it a love story i'm not quite sure to be honest and he's just been throwing these references out there and it is so good that man has to be a swifty there's no way he's not and then going into the race i mean there was two people that pretty much everyone's had their eye on this weekend we have max and charles that have been going head to head in basically every race they've been on charles is not backing down he is Always had faith in Ferrari. He will always have faith in Ferrari. Probably a little bit delusional faith, but that man's not going to lose it. And honestly, what was getting me about the race was the qualifying times between Max and Charles. I mean, I know Melissa has the numbers on it, but I was just shocked. Yeah, during the final lap in Q3, it was just a kind of a tag your it game between Charles and Max where it got to the point where they each had the same lap time during the final lap and then literally once the checkered flag came up Charles just beat him by just a few hundreds thousands of a second correct me if I'm wrong I remember that from my math lessons in elementary school so I do not want to butcher that and say it wrong but I just know it was super super close and I know as a Tifosi a Charles fan I was super happy and I honestly was just cheering him on as I was working from home watching it here on Friday morning. So that was really fun to watch. An exciting qualifying session in the great end to Q3. Yeah, I mean, and the race on Sunday. While I feel like qualifying was more exciting because of all the crashes, the identical lap times, the race in itself, semi-uneventful, I would say. Really, the only things that interesting to me, at least, were that Esteban and Nico both started in the pits. Nico, because he took some new parts, and then Esteban, because he violated Park Ferme. And then, the, of course, Nick crashing out, and then also Joe having to retire towards the end of the race. And honestly, to me, the most exciting, if dangerous was when Akon came into pit on the last lap of the race in order to not be disqualified from the race because you have to hit at least once during a race and get two different sets of tires on your car in order for it to count as a race. But because it was the last lap of the race, when he was coming into the pits, the FIA let people into the pit lane and onto the fast lane. So he almost ran over a bunch of people. Yeah, it was pretty chaotic to watch those last few seconds with Ocon pitting 
I remember sitting there watching it, questioning, being like, what's going on? When is this going to happen? Because it was like lap 50, 51. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you just see the camera change over to, again, excuse my mispronunciation, Park Ferme, Park Ferme. And the whole crowd of people just staring. And all of a sudden you see Ocon coming in. Everyone's like, whoa, like getting out. But since then, the FIA are actually going to have a meeting at 5.30, their local time, to discuss with, quote, the representatives of the FIA responsible for the Park Femme activity or area at pit entry. So pretty much we'll see what happens. Yeah, and speaking of Ocon, due to the fact that he did not pit at all except for the last lap of the race, he held up a 25-lap DRS train behind him that included Nico Hulkenberg, Lando, Yuki, Oscar, Albon, and I don't recall who was behind Albon, but it took 25 laps for someone to at least pass Nico Hulkenberg because there was at least a second or two second gap in between Hulkenberg and Ocon and once Lando was able to pass Hulkenberg it just started with Yuki then passing him then Oscar then passing him because Hulkenberg's tires just became shot and then he had to pit Um, and also speaking of Oscar props to Oscar for this whole weekend because we didn't know he was sick and not feeling well until a day or two into the weekend so the fact that he was racing while not feeling well and he still had a somewhat good result for mclaren major props to him for getting in the car and doing what he needed to do honestly all the midfield ish teams this weekend were just delivering because i mean from fernando's and lance's teamwork lance coming on the radio and saying yes, I'm doing the same thing as him, tell him I'm not attacking him. And then later on, Fernando literally saying, hey, tell his race engineers to do X, Y, Z so that we can attack. Beautiful. And honestly, kind of the first time that Fernando has not been attacking a teammate. Yes. Ashton Martin was the definition of teamwork makes the dream work. I think my favorite Nando quote from the whole race was, I mean, he can have a go. Um, Quite literally saying, Lance can have a go at me. Like, he's welcome to. I just thought that was so out of character for him. I've never really heard him talk like that on a radio. He's normally always raring for a fight with his teammate and is like, do not come for me. You're not going to win. But they were just really working together. It was really nice to see. I do have to say I loved the overtake that Max had on the race where he had no DRS. I have to say that was a thing of beauty for me to watch someone do on just pure skill and general speed and not having kind of any boost. Speaking of overtaking and Aston Martin, I really love the overtaking that Fernando did um, over Carlos during the race, like over one of the turns, it was just like poetic to see how he kind of just was like, okay, excuse me, I'm just gonna squeeze by. And he kept on doing it. I mean, I think we're all on the Fernando hype train and I have no shame in that right now. I've been enjoying it. We also had a couple of close calls in the pits. Uh, Perez and Leclerc almost had a really close call when Leclerc was coming in and Perez was leaving the pits. 
And then it was, I believe, George Russell and Lance Stroll that had a really close call in the pits where they were like side by side. And luckily, you know, the Mercedes garage is before the Aston Martin garage, because if it wasn't, that would have been a disaster. And that was really interesting to see just those miscommunications, those miscalculations and all of that was really interesting. I had quite a few close calls there. What I also really liked was Princess George's move at the very end of the race, just pitting to change to new tires and getting the fastest lap because I don't know about you guys, but I love myself a petty king and he did exactly that and got that extra point. Um, I absolutely George loved it. I mean, also, I remember when Max pitted and he came out like around the George's position, I was like, will there be an incident? Will there not be an incident? Because we all know Max hates Princess George. I just wanted to add in, since we're talking about overtakes in the race, what another fun overtake for me was of the weekend was uh, Lando's overtake when he took the place from Hulkenberg. That was a lot of fun because I was like, yes, Lando. We even heard uh, Will be like, yay, Lando. So little things like that. I love seeing mid-race action you know, bring some excitement and, you know, kind of motivates me to stay up these early morning races. Yeah, I also loved that overtake. One, because I love Lando, he's my favorite driver, but two, like I was saying earlier, I was just happy to see him finally be able to pass Hulkenberg since the pace of the, McLa the McLaren this weekend was faster than the Haas. And I was glad to see that the upgrades that they have been promising to bring to Baku were somewhat helping, although I was quite confused because they kept saying before Baku how, oh, we're bringing all these upgrades to Baku and it is going to be a process, but I was expecting a little bit more pace from those upgrades, but now they're saying how it's not, you're not going to see the effects of those upgrades until further down the line, which I understand, but I was glad to see them, him and Oscar, do better this weekend as a whole for the team. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else noticed that there were some very interesting strategy calls this weekend, especially on race day, between Haas keeping Nico out on dead tires that he quite literally said, these things are gone, and they still made him stay out, which is their prerogative. Um, but this was the first race in a really long time that we've also seen a not-so-hot strategy call from Red Bull, pitting Max a little bit too early, well, yes, they've got this fantastic straight line speed. That strategy call was just not it. Um, I would personally love to see some of the other teams really hook their cars up and truly give Red Bull a run for their money. Even as a Red Bull fan, I really want to see some good racing. I don't know about everybody else. Same here. It's not fun when one team or one person, even in this instance, runs away with the championship. Like, I just want, for example, Ferrari, Mercedes, bring those upgrades. Bring those upgrades. Aston Martin, you've been doing great. Do even better. But will we see that? I don't know. And there was quite a few pit stops at the final moments of the last lap. I know there's a reason for this, but Rach has a better understanding of it. Yeah, so they have to pit at least one time during the race or they will get disqualified. And it looks like... Haas kept Hulk out and Alpine kept Ocon out for so long that it was down to the very last minute almost, literally, because it was the last lap for Ocon to pit 
and do their one stop. Otherwise, it was a disqualification. And that is never a good thing. Another reason that they also have to pit is because they are required to use two compounds per race. So a medium to a hard, a hard to a soft, take your pick, whatever you want to do. But they are required to also use multiple compounds of tires, which is why they also did those last minute pit stops. Especially because Ocon's stop was so dangerous. And that wasn't really his fault. He was literally just doing his job. People... But because it was last lap, people started going into the pit lane. So when he came in, there were people in the pit lane and they had to like scramble to get out of the way because that's really dangerous. And that, of course, is the fault of the people who are monitoring the pit lane. It's not Ocon's fault at all. But at the same time, why didn't Alpine just pull him in sooner? You would think they would have came up with a better strategy, but when Gunther came on air with the commentators, he had mentioned that they were hoping for another uh, safety car so they can go in and do a quote-unquote stop and change those tires and then continue on with the race. But ultimately, that did not happen. So sometimes you kind of have to risk it, and then that risk is not worth it at the end because look what happened. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the race wasn't as exciting as maybe some of us have been hoping for, considering the circuit we were on. But it was a bit of a predictable race, which I guess for some people can also be fun, especially if they are Red Bull fans, because as we all know now, they won. If you didn't know, now you know. Both of them were on the podium. And we did have a little Ferrari boy that made his way onto the podium. So we always like to thank our little candles and juju for that. I don't know if y'all know that, but I, I put a candle for him. And I mean, I was definitely cuddling my Charlotte Booth, sorry, Build-A-Bear, while watching the race and trying not to play the I'm stupid sound that he makes too many times. But anyway, after the race, as um, Chelsea said, it was, once again, a Red Bull 1-2 with Checo taking the win. And then we had our Ferrari boy on the podium. And the funny part was actually that, you know how they are on the podium. They have a screen at the back where they display the national flags. They actually, at first, inverted second and third place flags. So where... Charles was standing, it was um, the Dutch flag, and then where Max was standing, it was the Monegasque flag, and I was just like, this is funny, this is Lestrop and Gold, give me more. I don't know if anybody else saw this online, but I actually saw something that said that Charles was standing in the P2 spot, the flags weren't actually reversed, he went to the wrong podium spot. It was really funny at first. I don't know if anybody else noticed that he sat in Checo's chair, the cool down room. So it's the Charles just chilling in Checo's chair and then he steals Max's spot on the podium and Max is just beaming the whole way through, looking at Charles, just like, I'm so proud of you. And that just made my heart so very happy. Yeah, Amy, it was so funny in the cool down room that you mentioned Charles sitting in Checo's spot because like as Checo like, 
kind of like starts like walking towards and Charles, oh, like, do you want your seat back? And like, I guess Checo being Checo, he was just like, no, it's no big deal. And like Charles was like, well, let me just get it. Let me just enjoy it while I can type of vibes. And I thought that was hilarious. Like you said, like Max beaming and like the whole champagne shower is like, you can definitely tell like Max was happy to be there with one of his good friends on the podium again. So that was fun. Yeah, and speaking of Checo, he is also the first driver to win Baku twice, which is also very exciting. And I know I'm super happy for him and I'm very proud of him for that because, you know, the curse of the second seat at Red Bull, it's never been the best for that second seat driver. And Checo is just having a season so far in these first couple of races. So I'm very happy for him and the fact that he's winning races and just doing so well, I couldn't be happier for Checo. It's in terms of how I'm feeling after this race, Charles finally got a podium, yay. And because of his sprint performance, as well as his race performance, he's now um, in sixth place uh, in the driver's standing up from 10th which is amazing. Maybe, just maybe, he can get, I don't know, third place, maybe second. I doubt WDC, but who knows? The season's still long. Uh, The season is still very young. We've got a lot to see. I'm really excited for Miami. I'm excited to see what the teams bring. Anybody going to bring any new strategies? any crazy liveries. I know, I don't know about everybody else, but I always love seeing the specialty helmets that people bring out. So that makes me super excited. Two things I'm definitely excited about for Miami. One, the later race times. I can sleep in a little bit on Saturday and Sunday mornings, get everything done and enjoy the race for the rest of the day. And two, seeing if they're gonna have the winners on the podium put on those Miami Dolphin helmets again, because last year that was hilarious. And it'll be hilarious if they do that again, because I can definitely tell the drivers were like, um, okay, and took it off immediately. Honestly, um, some of the listeners don't know, but I am going to be going to this Grand Prix. And I'm so excited to just get footage. I want photos. But I'm excited for the race because I know this is only the second year, if I'm not wrong, that they're going to be on this circuit. I was at the circuit a couple days ago because I live nearby. It looks amazing. I mean, it's brand new asphalt. They have the new paddocks up where they're going to be putting the drivers. They have, I know if I'm not wrong, Bad Bull is going to be coming out with a new design for the actual cart as well that they've been having people submit designs for. So I'm so pumped to see that. And then otherwise, uh, Williams will be having a pop-up in Miami. So you can meet the drivers, do autographs. If you're listening to this and you're in the area, please go on by. It's going to be all week. They also are going to have a Red Bull Saturday party if you're in the area. It's at the Hard Rock and you do have to pay for entrance, but you get to meet Christian Horner and Danny Rick. And Sunday, big day. Um, I'm just pumped. Like, I want to see who's going to win, and I want to see it in person so I can post it for the Paddock Girls. They also finally have water in their marina. That was a whole big uh, point of contention, contention last year, was that the marina was there, but it did not have water. It was just, like, painted asphalt. And they have water now, which is really exciting. Rach, it gets so much better. We have boats. 
we have fake, they're not fake, they're real, like yachts, but they have these mini yachts in their marina. And I think it's hilarious because really, if they just did the race 30 minutes more west, they would get an actual marina. But that's how it is when you live in Miami. There's only so much structure space we have. It's funny that you bring up the marina because now I'm wondering whether Martin Brundle will act because remember last year he like fakes wham on the like on the painted water. Now I'm wondering, will he actually take a dip? Oh, I will bet you money that Brundle is going to jump in that water as soon as he possibly can. The real question is going to be, will he remember to take his mic off? That is going to be the real question. He probably will not. But I bet you money that Brundle is going for a swim. Yeah, that mic will be fried. I can guarantee it now. And then besides the fun that I know is going to happen at the Miami race, I am excited for the actual circuit. I know last year we had Max Verstappen at number one. Maybe that won't happen this year. Maybe Checo is going to keep making a comeback. He is really good at street races. At least I like to think so. And Charles Leclerc last year, he got second place. We know that this race, he only got third. He was aiming for first, though. I mean, he was on pole position back to back. I don't know if Miami is a good circuit for him. It's brand new. But if he got second last year and he did amazing in Baku, this street race where I know the corners are a lot tighter and you're going against the castle, I can't wait to see what he can do in the Miami one. Same with Carlos Sainz. Last year, he did pretty well. I want to see them do well again. I was a little disappointed in Alonso this race getting fourth because he's been on the podium so much. So maybe he makes podium in Miami. There's so many possibilities with Miami. I would personally love to see an Aston Martin double podium in Miami. Who knows? They've built a rocket. So I am very intrigued to see what happens with Miami because it's such a new track all still figuring it out and i'm really intrigued to see if that puts people on a level playing field yeah and i mean if you're from the states you know that with miami anything can happen anything goes it's gonna be really unpredictable just how the city is i feel like and i'm really excited to see how this race goes yeah i just want to see someone challenge the pure might of the red bull so we can get a more entertaining race other than just the announcers being like oh here's max and checo and p1 and p2 i just want to see someone challenge them you know if that's the aston martin if the ferrari's able to do it and also i'm just i just want someone other than red bull to win like i guess good for them that they have a great car whoop de doo but i want to see someone else you know not just red bull and i'm also excited to see the McLaren, my boys, because Lando is saying that they will have a better chance at scoring a decent amount of points in Miami due to the nature of the track and that it's different than Baku and their car setup is more fit to the Miami track. All right, everyone, we're going to go into our fun little bit at the end of every episode. This week, we're going to do best moment of the weekend. And I think... All of us can agree that Yuki's tire at Sprint won the weekend. My dog agrees. I don't know if you heard that. But Yuki's tire definitely wins for the weekend. It was the star. It's the star of the memes right now. Aside from the hole in Max's car, that's the other meme of the weekend. But yeah, 
Is there any other weekend moments that people loved? It was funny also with Charles when I don't know if it was the spring qualifying or the no, it was the spring qualifying when they gave him the Pirelli hat and it just looked like they just spatted paint. It looked like one of my hats after I went to Dayglow and it just had like the three colors and he put it on and he was just like, all right, yeah, I'm good. Pictures taken, takes it off and just like puts it down. And I was just like, you know what? Fashion king all of a sudden. All right, everyone, that is today's episode we're really happy you stopped by the paddock for our baku recap the next episode will be out on wednesday you can check us out on our socials everything is paddock girls podcast so check us out there especially our tiktok girls especially our tiktok girls who are killing it right now and just look for Rachel and Chelsea in the comments of Instagram, just making us best friends with everybody that they can. Thanks for joining us in the paddock. We'll see you next race. Bye. Bye, Craig. See you, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig.